Welcome to the EMCC UK podcast and welcome to the first episode in our series, Coaching Through the Sectors. In this first episode of the Coaching Through the Sector series, our host, Deputy Director for Coaching Practice at EMCC UK and Chartered Psychologist, Anna Springett, talks to John Draper about coaching in education. John has been in teaching for over 30 years, working abroad in his native Essex in Bournemouth and for the last 18 years as a head teacher in Southampton. He is Vice Chair of the Aspire Community Trust, a family of nine schools at the heart of the city and has been coaching for over 15 years. During the discussion, Anna and John explore what is unique and different about coaching in the education sector. Who typically seeks out or is offered coaching? And what should coaches who are interested in coaching teachers or head teachers be aware of? We hope you enjoy this discussion and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a future episode in this series. It is very lovely to be here with you, John. A huge welcome to you. How are you today? I'm very well, Anna, and a huge thank you for inviting me along this morning. Very much looking forward to it. Well, I'd love to dive straight in and hear a little bit about how you got into coaching yourself, John, as a head teacher. What was the, where did it all start for you? Where did it all start? Um, well, being a head teacher, I can't avoid answering that question in two ways. Um, so the first time I'd say was uh, completely by accident and, and subconsciously. Um, I've been in teaching a long time now, um, 30 odd years. Back in the 90s, uh, when I was working in primary school, I got the job of being the science coordinator. Um, and there was a lot more funding around for training in those days. So I had the incredible luxury of a 25 day course during one academic year, uh, training to be a science coordinator. Now, half of that was about subject matter, subject knowledge, which was really, really interesting because I've always had an interest in science. Um, but the other half was an absolute revelation to me. And that was about actually getting out into each other's classrooms uh, and watching each other teach, which wasn't a luxury I'd had before. So um, we used a methodology called something like uh, non-judgmental feedback, which was always a bit of a mouthful. Um, but that was the really radical part for me, which seemed about we would watch each other teach. And then the feedback, as the title suggests, was completely non-judgmental. So you would just talk about things that you had seen in someone's classroom that struck you as interesting or you, you wanted to know more about. And you um, would talk to the teacher about that. And I think a lot of the principles that I find interesting about coaching, that that's when I first came across them. So the, the concept that the person being observed is the one who's got responsibility for making sense and bringing meaning uh, to that observation was very refreshing. Um, the sort of ownership of finding a solution to your, your own problem was, was a very, very big part of that. And a kind of encouragement to 
be creative with the solutions that you come up with. So I think although I hadn't heard of coaching in that context at that time, um, and I wouldn't have known to give it that label, I think a lot of the things that I, I find really, really interesting about coaching, I came across at, at that point. Um, and then again, the second time, I first became a head mid 2000s, 2005, I became a head teacher. And um, we had a pressure to kind of get results and turn things around fairly, fairly quickly. So I was looking for something quite radical. Um, and I heard other teachers or other head teachers talking about coaching. Um, and at first I thought, well, that's not coaching. That's non-judgmental feedback that you're talking about there. Um, but there were courses that you could book on. The more I heard about it, the more I thought, yeah, that's that's the kind of way that I operate anyway. So I, I did some formal training when I was early to headship in the mid-2000s and haven't looked back since. How typical is it for a head teacher to train specifically in coaching? Um, it's, I, I suppose, in schools it went through a kind of boom uh, around about 2010 and and that decade um and i think what we get in schools is it, it's not unusual for heads to train as coaches but i think in schools we get a more top-down model of coaching than you might see in other i mean that i don't have a lot to compare it with but my sense is that coaching in schools tends to be a lot more top down um, and heads themselves don't often get coached that much so it's something they take on they get training for disseminates their leadership teams and then deliver to the people at the chalk face if you like i imagine that co coaching is is um somewhat familiar in feel in the education system i'm I, I, in my imagination i'm thinking teachers are natural coaches because they're supporting people in their development that's inherent to the role how how well, close not, or far am i to the reality John? I, I, I well um i'm not sure that's complete i think there are some things about working schools that are unique so one is that when you're when you're a teacher there's a certain pressure when you stand in front of a group of 30 children to know the answers so i think uh teachers professionally feel a huge responsibility to give an answer to a question there and then and it's okay sometimes to model getting things wrong and um and not knowing but for your professional credibility you you do feel the pressure to to get an answer and and a, a sort of at an institutional level as well i think there's a lot of i mean i know there's pressure in every sphere that you work in to get results but i think with the the high stakes accountability model we have in schools there's a pressure to get results to get results quickly to change things overnight that doesn't always encourage a sort of um, creative long-term strategic problem-solving approach that seems to come with coaching so you i hear you mentioned that it's not typical for head teachers to be coached can you say a little bit more mm -hmm. about that perhaps yeah, I mean, I think one of the best and worst things about schools is that unlike other walks of life, they're still very, very different. So 
you know, if you go into a branch of Tesco's in Southampton, uh, it's very, very similar if you go into a branch of Tesco's in, in Derby or Edinburgh uh, or wherever. Um, and that's not true for schools. So you can walk into a school that is just across the road from here and it's entirely different. So, um, and that's brilliant in lots of ways because uh, that hom- you know, homogenousness, that's not a word, but you know what I mean, um, that we see everywhere in every walk of life. But it's, it's brilliant because children are so very, very different. So it's great that schools are so, still able to vary so much. Um, and I think there's the, the downside of that is that heads do sometimes get into kind of silo thinking, um, you know, being very inward looking, not. In, you know, working with peers to reflect deeply about solutions and what steps forward are for those schools and those kind of things. So, um, the, the 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 time's ripe for it to happen. I think schools work more in families now than they they ever have done. But there's still a lot of silo thinking and um, and, and looking inward. Well, that's a nice. I was I was thinking it would be nice to hear a little bit about your your other role. In the community trust, um, you're vice chair of Aspire mm. Community Trust and also chair of the Southampton Schools Forum. Um, so if mm. we if we kind of, kind of lift out of the the local school mm. environment just for a moment, I'd love to hear from you. What's your sense of the need for coaching um, at a you know a city level or a community trust level? Well, I think the need for coaching is absolutely huge and, and probably more urgent than it's ever been before um and there's a few reasons for that one is there's such a recruitment uh, problem at the moment so recruiting teachers has has never been more difficult than it than it is today um and retaining teachers is more difficult than it's ever been so uh, you know a huge number of um newly qualified teachers quit the profession entirely within the first five years of starting. So to me, uh, a really good coaching offer in a school is absolutely crucial um, because somehow we need to um, offer something above and beyond a a sort of form of professional development that uh, is exciting. And I think one of the great, there are many, many great things about teaching and one of them is that your career can evolve in so many different ways I mean you can be a subject leader and there's 12 different subjects that you can lead you can go into leadership and that takes all different kinds of uh, forms the secondary schools primary schools middle schools special schools faith schools you you know there's a wonderful kaleidoscope of career opportunities and I think coaching is a brilliant way of getting people up and running early in their careers and developing them uh, into the kind of people that the um, the profession needs. And at a leadership level as well, um, something like 40% of head teachers are due to retire within the next five years. And for the first, uh, yeah, and for the first time in history, um, fewer than 50% of deputies actually aspire to headship. Um, so we've got a bit of a problem. We need to make leadership more exciting as well and encourage heads and school leaders to stay in post longer. Um, 
If money was no object, John, <laughs> if money was no I object, I always let's, love this question. <laughs> oh yeah, let's let's just play 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 with that for a moment. What would you love mm. to see in a space? You know, if you were able to design um, the perfect coaching program, bring in you know a, a team of coaches into your community trust locally, what would what would the perfect idea look like for you in that space? Well, I I think it would um, be something around trying to encourage head teachers to live without fear, um, which sounds a bit ridiculous. But I think too often, because of the very very high stakes accountability system that we have in our schools, uh, people are that their ambition is uh, sort of stifled by a fear of failing Ofsted. And if you ask, you know, if you ask them what their ambitions are, often it it doesn't get much beyond not failing Ofsted, which is a very uh, sort of deficit model. It's a very risk averse model, and I, you know, I often say to people, well, you know, sort of a, a different spin on your question, really. You know, if if Ofsted didn't exist, um, if you knew they weren't coming for ten years, what would you do? What would you do for your community? What is it? What Real, you know, forget Ofsted. What does your school need? What thing is going to make the biggest difference? And and I love getting into those conversations. Um, and to Can you me, give us the flavour of the kinds of things people <laughs> say? That that sounds like a, a lovely space to be in conversation with your staff. Um, it does. I mean, that sort of brings me on to another point, really, about the urgency for for coaching in schools really because the the remit of schools has changed entirely and and as i say i've been in education a long long time over 30 years but divide that career into two parts um one very long pre-covid part uh, and another short very frantic post-covid part and schools you know most of the schools that i speak to have, have essentially become a branch of social services they've become a food distribution network they've become a one-stop shop for signposting parents and children to mental health support and financial support um all those kind of things so i think that's a great pressure but a great opportunity as well and i think you know to entirely reinvent what your institution is about which is what we really need to do um the only way forward with that, I think, is high quality coaching support for, for leaders um, and to encourage team building. Because just like teachers feel the pressure to know the answer when a child asks one in class, I think heads often feel the pressure um, when they are being asked a, a question by their staff. And, and finally, um, I think one of the most difficult things about working in schools is that you deal with so many different groups of people who think they own the place. Um, and the problem is they're all right. So, the, you know, the parents think they own it and they do. The children think they own it and they do. The governors think they own it and they do. The staff think they own it and they do. The local authority think they own it. You know, so you're, you're dealing with lots of different stakeholders and I think you, you need to be creative. You need to be um, forward thinking solution focus to try and take all those people with you about how you fundamentally need to to rethink what you're doing what do you know about the emcc uk cpd profile 
There are so many reasons to join if you're an EMCC UK member coach, mentor or supervisor and feel you have the knowledge, skills and practice to deliver a short programme to our organisational members. Being part of our CPD profile means you'll be part of a growing group of practitioners who share their knowledge and skills with organisations to develop their coaching, mentoring and supervision offer internally. If you're interested, please get in touch by contacting info at emccuk.org and our friendly administration team will be on hand to help. Where have you seen the application of coaching in, in this, the education sector working really well? Where have I seen it working really well? Um, in my school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's an interesting question. I think when schools have had to work together uh, to address a, a sort of shared challenge, and probably the best example I can think of that, as you said, we're part of a family of schools. Um, there, there are nine of us and we're very, very different. So although we're all in the centre of Southampton, we have uh, a special school, we have a faith school, a very large secondary school, we're a small primary school, an infant school, a junior school, three form entry primaries, very small, you know, and to get, we actually work, I think, very, very well as a family of schools together now, but we haven't gone down the academy model. So we've we've uh, got a sort of cooperative trust model. But to get nine head teachers in a room and agree about sharing resources and putting money into pots is one of the, the challenges. And we went kind of round and round a few times, had a few false dawns with that. But it was only when we, we sort of bought in an external coach um, and started with a kind of values-based approach to how you work together, how you make that relationship work, that we, we really moved things forward. Um, I've seen coaching done very badly as well in schools, I think. I think the problem is that in schools, with the pressure to get results quickly, we we take on lots of good ideas that we see from outside, but never have the funding to do them properly. Um, as I mentioned, schools being so diverse, what you tend to end up with is, is a great idea evolving into a thousand different flavours, um, some of them being discredited, and then the whole idea uh losing losing uh favor and and moving out so it's tricky but i think um yeah the best advert is just us keep doing coaching well i think well i'd love i'd love to hear your thoughts john about what good practice what what you see as the core components of good practice are mm. in education so y- mm. y- you've mentioned you've seen coaching done really badly and mm. what about when you've seen it done well what what are the aspects of it that make it stand out i suppose for me it goes back to you know my entry point in this with the the non judgmental observation model which is about the um the person being coached uh being in control of the whole process having ownership of the whole process um and um, when i first did some coaching training the first thing I did was uh, think right who can I work with in school to um, 
introduce this idea, examine it a bit more and see if it's right for us. And I went and worked with um, an NQT, a newly qualified teacher at the time. They're ECTs now, but they were NQTs back then. Um, and just said, I will teach a lesson and I want you to give me feedback on it. Uh, and she was like quite taken aback that I don't, you know, she'd been asked to watch the head and give feedback on their their teaching. But I think to me that's really important that getting away from the the top down model. I think you know you need people to feel that it's um, an equal partnership that we you know we're both working together to try and find a creative solution to a potentially quite difficult problem. How do we improve teaching? Um, so to me the 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 fundamentals are, you know, the the ownership is with the client, that um, people are aware what they can expect, what sort of form uh, the feedback will take, um, and that there's a, a genuine desire to move things forward or solve a problem. So, so to me, those are the, the fundamentals. I'm really curious, just listening to to what you're talking about if you know a lot of the people listening to this podcast are their coaches mentors supervisors for those in our audience who would like to start working with schools what's your advice to them um i think get in and understand context would be my my best advice because as i say schools are wildly wildly different and i think school we've done us as a profession we've done ourselves a disservice in the past uh by sort of labeling things as good practice and then just thinking well if that works in that school if everyone does that then you know problem solved and we've always been endlessly surprised when guess what i didn't really work that way um and schools are so different. So I, I would advise there's definitely a market for it, there's definitely a need for it. Um, but do take the time to get in, understand the context, um, and and the real the real and to dig not be afraid to dig deep as well, because nine times out of ten a head will tell you that Ofsted are due in X amount of time. So this needs fixing and try to get beyond that and and uh, as I say, encourage courageous leadership and well, okay, that you know, Ofsted will come and whatever happens, the sun will still rise the next day. What what are the real needs of the community? What will really make a difference to the children if you're in your school? So understand the context and encourage courageous leadership is is my mm, yeah, advice. Lovely. lovely. And for those who are keen to support leaders in education, if you were to pick out and summarize the context to help us even as we listen to, to this conversation to understand the context, what would you what would you highlight? Um, I think demographics are, are enormously different. I think that's one of the things that's most fundamental about schools. So um you know, you get schools that are incredibly middle class, you get schools that are very, very deprived. Uh, you know, even within, within our own family of schools, we've got a school with 99% EAL, so 99% of the children English is not their first language. Uh, you know, we've got 
other schools with 60% free school meals, other schools with less than 10. So, you know, context is about, you know, a school isn't the buildings, it's not bricks and mortar, it's the, it's the children who come to it, basically. So find out about that, what the needs, what the needs of a community are, and what the needs beyond learning are as well, because schools increasingly um, are the, the last institution standing in a lot of communities at the moment. So parents ask a lot more of them. So, you know, find out about the demographics, find out about the, the needs of the, the wider community. And as well as working with head, heads and, and maybe even um, communities such as Aspire and the, the work that mm-hmm. you do across the city of Southampton, what other applications are there of coaching in education? I think, uh, as I say, it's around, to me, the most pressing issues are around facing up to the massive increased remit that schools have at the moment. And often that's against a backdrop of a lot of the support services that we got used to either don't exist anymore or are completely overwhelmed themselves. And, and CAMS, mental health support, is a is a great example of that. And I would encourage, um, as I said, schools can be a little bit insular. And I think the head teachers I've seen struggle the most post-COVID are the, the old hero head models. So there used to be a model of headship and it's still around where, you know, the head knows everything, does everything. And I just don't think it's possible anymore with the, the remit the schools have now. The, the heads I see who are thriving are the ones who have built teams around them. So I think if, you, if you're working with schools, it's about not just working with a head and um, sort of an executive coach kind of way. It's really about building a leadership team because I think that is the only way that is sustainable to lead a school at the moment. The, the days the hero head sorting out the stationary cupboard and you know doing everything else are just gone forever. Am I, can I ask you a cheeky question, John? Go on. <laughs> if, if you had uh, a leadership coach working with you, um, what would you, what do you think you'd be working on? Um, I would be, it would be around professional development. What, what, what I'm really trying to do at the moment is, I mean, like a lot of places, we have a very old fashioned appraisal system in schools, which is about, you, you know, you get together in September someone struggles to remember what three targets you set the previous September um, and then frantically look around for evidence that you've met it. Um, and if you're lucky, you get one or two reviews mid-year where you, you'd sort of look at that. I think if we're honest, nobody would pretend that that is a good way of motivating people and improving people's performance in the classroom. I'd love to replace that with a, a model that is just an ongoing coaching conversation um throughout the year that teachers are just used to having a weekly coaching session um that's not so hierarchical that there's a a sort of implicit understanding that if you 
wholeheartedly engage with that if you if you were genuinely trying to improve the job that you do and improve outcomes for children in your class and across the school that's a given that you'll you know you you'll move up the pay scale by default and i think that would be a much more enlightened way of providing professional development because say with the recruitment and retention crisis that we've got we need something better um, and to me, that's that's my way forward. That we a meaningful model for professional development for for staff, and increasingly support staff as well. I mean, schools run increasingly couldn't operate without um, the the teaching assistants that we have. Holding on to them is even more difficult at the moment. So, uh, a model of uh, really positive coaching, professional development for everyone who works in the school. Uh, would be my if I had a million pounds type wish oh that sounds like a really positive place for us to start winding up um I'm really struck by the the clarity of how how you've spoken so clearly about the need for coaching both for individual coaching for heads but predominantly it feels like you're saying um coaching at a team level and creating that team approach Mm. and for external coaches the key it sounds as though you're saying is about understanding the unique context both the the environment the setting the community and the range the the broad range of stakeholders that are part Mm. of this coaching work that actually you're not working with somebody in isolation not even in isolation Mm. within the context of their school but the the community at large and even the city at large and so Mm. really really interesting and um yeah, really grateful for you to co- coming and talking to us about this, John. Thank you very, very much. And thank you to our listeners as well. Huge thank you for tuning in. And until next time, see you soon, John. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. been a great pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the EMCC UK. Together, our aim is to promote good practice and the expectation of good practice in coaching, mentoring and supervision. To learn more about the EMCC UK and to find out about membership, accreditation, events, CPD opportunities and learning resources, visit emccuk.org. And remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a future episode.